social media has been bad for kids. There's no question about that. I'm not saying there aren't any good things, but it's been a net negative. The voices that we heard today were not just the voices of those who came here, but they're speaking for the missing. He survived because there were trained staff there. From the fourth floor of the Capitol Rotunda, you're listening to WFSU Public Media's Capitol Report, the podcast. I'm Tom Flanagan. Among today's capital action, a bill that would require K through 12 students in Florida to learn the history of communism has overwhelmingly passed its second committee in the state Senate. WMFE education reporter Danielle Pryor explains dozens of Floridians who experienced violence and persecution under communist regimes in Vietnam, Cuba, and Russia spoke in favor of the bill. After an hour of public comment, the Senate Appropriations Committee on Education voted to approve the bill 6-0. to zero. Democratic Senator Tracy Davis voiced concerns over the task force that would be responsible for setting the direction of the instruction. Getting the accuracy and the truth of what we're teaching and educating is very, very important to me. Um, we, we had the blunder when, and that's what I'll call it, when we were dealing with the African-American task force, and that I do not want to see here. A task force created Florida's new black history standards last summer, which came under fire for equating slavery with learning new skills. The bill has one more committee to go before a full vote in the Senate. A companion bill is already in its last committee in the House. In Orlando, I'm Danielle Pryor. Florida lawmakers say a proposed ban on social media use for children under 16 is for their protection. The measure's awaiting a vote in the Senate. It was recently approved by the House, but we'll have to go back to that chamber after the Senate made some changes. Valerie Crowder reports young critics of the measure say it's unnecessary. Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok would likely become off-limits if a proposed social media ban for kids becomes law. 17-year-old Felix Nichols says this could make it harder for LGBTQ youth to find a community with their peers. Queer teens often end up living in isolation, whether they want to or not, Um, and the internet allows a gathering spot where they can go somewhere without having to ask their parents. Nickel lives in Pinellas County and was at the state capitol to speak out against the proposed ban. Nichols says when he was younger, social media helped him connect with others like him. Had I not had access to internet in the way that I did, I probably would have been a... um, a pretty sad kid. The legislation would make it illegal for social media companies to allow children under 16 to set up accounts on their platforms. They would have to use third-party age verification software to make sure users are old enough, but it's unclear how they would ensure children could not bypass that screening process. After all, federal law already prohibits social media platforms from allowing children under the age of 13 to create user accounts. Republican State House Speaker Paul Renner recently explained that this law is easily circumvented. We know that kids well under 13 are on the platform now and they're doing absolutely nothing about it. And so coming full circle, that's why we need the the level of uh, protection and the bright line that we're offering up so that we know that, that kids are not being harmed by this. 
The damage to children's mental health and the addictive nature of social media are well documented. The U.S. Surgeon General's office last year issued an advisory showing how social media is linked to mental health issues such as obsessive-compulsive disorder, anxiety, depression, and eating disorders. It can also expose children to cyberbullying, online predators, and inappropriate material. During a recent press conference, Governor Ron DeSantis voiced his support for the bill in theory. The social media has been bad for kids. There's no question about that. I'm not saying there aren't any good things, but it's been a net negative. But DeSantis has indicated that he would not sign the legislation if he doesn't believe it would pass legal muster. Similar legislation in Arkansas and other states has been blocked by the courts on First Amendment grounds. And middle school students touring the state capitol recently said they would be up in arms if the legislation passed. It's not a good idea. People are going to rebel. There's going to be massive petitions. There's going to be massive protests. It'll just be like practically an all-out war with all the teenagers. That was Noah Raymond, a 12-year-old from Volusia County. He says he uses Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, and a few others. I use it every single day. I think it's amazing. You get to see what other people get to do. Raymond says he's addicted to social media, and he's not alone. Several of his classmates say they are too. And a recent study published in the peer-reviewed journal Scientific Reports shows that excessive use has the same effect on the brain as substance abuse and gambling addictions. Some opponents of the bill say there are ways for young people to keep their social media use in check without an all-out ban. Raymond's classmate, 13-year-old Sophia Bivalacqua, says overuse has not become a problem for her. Well, I use it a lot, but I, I wouldn't say I'm addicted to it. I just, because I have time limits on my phone, which is another thing that you can do. And she says parents should have the ultimate say on whether or not their child may use social media platforms. It's not up to the state what kids can do with their phones and, like, what they do online. And the state might not have the final say. Ultimately, the decision could fall to the courts based on the Constitution. I'm Valerie Crowder. A proposal to grant reparations to victims of abuse at several former Florida reform schools is moving through the legislature. Tristan Wood reports the proposal has come after decades of advocacy from the victims. And a content warning. This story contains descriptions of child sexual abuse and assault. Hundreds of students who attended the Dozier School for Boys in Mariana and the Okeechobee School were mentally, physically, and sexually abused between 1940 and 1975. Dozens were killed. A bipartisan bill going through the legislature would establish the Dozier School for Boys and Okeechobee School Victim Compensation Program, which would provide financial support to living victims. Richard Huntley is president of Black Boys at Dozier Reform School, an advocacy group that represents the victims. He's been advocating for himself and other victims for decades. During a recent hearing on the bill, he recounted how he was beaten at Dozier. No mercy. All I heard was get up, stand in that corner. When I got up off the bed, it seemed like I was so heavy behind, but I was afraid to reach behind me for fear that all I would bring out from behind me was flesh and blood. Bryant Middleton, another survivor, talked about how the children were sexually abused. 
He says employees would come to the dorms in the middle of the night and select boys to take to a separate building where they were raped and beaten. Two, three state employees would come into the dormitory and walk back and forth between the beds. Suddenly you would hear a child scream out, no, please, not me. They would grab that child by the arm and take him outside and put him in the car. And he would be gone for a couple of hours. And suddenly the gravel sound came back. They returned that child. That child was told, get in your bed. Often his pajamas were covered with blood. The legislature was historically slow to confront the past abuse, only officially recognizing it occurred in 2017. Hollywood Democratic Senator Jason Pizzo says it's wrong that the men have had to keep coming to the legislature year after year to advocate for justice. Citing his experience as a prosecutor, Pizzo says that far exceeds the number of times any victim should have to recount their trauma. Again, I would tell a victim they only have to speak at most three times. And some of these people have spoken 16 years in a row. Shame on us. The voices that we heard today were not just the voices of those who came here, but they're speaking for the missing. The compensation bill is being carried by Democratic Senator Daryl Roussan. He says no money could ever fairly compensate the men or the families of those who didn't survive the schools. They're speaking for those that we can't talk to, but we can pray for. The committee unanimously supported the bill, but it has one more committee stop before it can go to the Senate for a vote. A companion bill in the House is nearing its last committee stop as well. I'm Tristan Wood. A Tampa senator introduced a bill in a state Senate committee that would make changes to the way renewable energy is used in Florida. WMNF's Chris Young reports the bill faced opposition from Democratic senators and climate activists. A portion of the bill would limit creation of offshore wind energy facilities and wind turbines. It's sponsored by Tampa Republican Senator Jay Collins. Uh, as for the wind turbines, uh, in the Northeast, they do exist, and they exist in other areas. Talk to the locals about the noise and the sounds and the effects of those things. I think you'll hear some uh, less than glowing remarks on wind power. Democratic Senator Tina Polsky spoke against the bill. She said that climate change is apparent, citing frequent flooding in Tampa streets. I'm not sure how it became political to care about our environment. Florida is ground zero for climate disasters. The bill could also limit the amount of power local governments have to stop the development of fuel terminals in Florida. This comes as Ormond Beach city leaders continue to fight against a proposed fuel terminal in their area. Collins faced questioning from Polsky. So you don't believe that a local government would not be allowed to um, stop a, a new facility from being built? Uh, I'll, I'll confirm, and I'll, I'll talk to uh, talk to the attorneys and make sure that I'm reading that properly, and uh, we'll get back to you on that, Senator Polsky. The bill passed 6-3 to three through the Senate Appropriations Committee on Agriculture, Environment, and General Government. In Tampa, I'm Chris Young. Athletic coaches in Florida may soon be required to take and maintain CPR training, that proposal comes from state lawmakers who say kids and teens are too often experiencing sudden cardiac arrest. As Adrian Andrews tells us, last week the Florida legislature took steps toward fixing the problem. 
According to the American Heart Association, each year more than 356,000 cardiac arrests occur outside a hospital in the United States, with 7,000 of them being young people under the age of 18. Because of this, Tampa Republican Senator Jay Collins is proposing legislation that aims to bring more life-saving policies to Florida K-12 schools. He says his bill will keep kids safe, particularly the ones who play sports. In our state, sudden cardiac arrest is a leading cause of death for student-athletes. It impacts as many as 23,000 young people annually. The legislation calls for all coaches in Florida to be CPR certified. This bill also specifies coaches need to know how to use an automated external defibrillator, or AED. Collins says as a parent, these things are important. We have to make sure we have the time, the tools, and the training to make sure our children are as safe as can be when we can't be there for them. Several American sporting leagues, including the National Football League, are joining the effort to promote first aid training after a player needed CPR and a defibrillator mid-game to save his life last season. Tiffany McCaskill-Henderson, who works with the American Heart Association, says that incident gained national attention. Now she says it's time for Florida to get on board. He survived because there were trained staff there. So that's basically what we're looking for in Florida schools is just to ensure that staff is trained and they have the resources they need should that event arise. If the bill passes, schools will have to keep at least one AED on school grounds and available during every sporting event. While the state can only regulate public schools, charter and private schools will be encouraged to do the same. Collins says the Florida legislature is currently working on a plan to ensure each school in the state gets funding to purchase an AED. I'm Adrian Andrews. Our regular Capital Report correspondents are Adrian Andrews, Gina Jordan, Lynn Hatter, Regan McCarthy, Margie Menzel, and Tristan Wood. Thanks also to Danielle Pryor, Valerie Crowder, and Chris Young. Shows are available Monday through Thursday by 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, wherever you get your podcasts. On many of these Florida public radio stations, you can tune in each Friday to catch the latest on all things happening at the Capitol. And that show's also available in podcast form. Technical assistance comes from Taylor Cox. I'm Tom Flanagan, and this is Capitol Report, the podcast from WFSU Public Media.